Hello, I'm Brooke Johnson. Welcome to my father's podcast. For this week's message, or any of the messages in our archive, subscribe for free on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Bethel Christian Fellowship is a church that relies on the support of its community. We consider you a part of that community, and we would love for you to participate in our financial life. You can do that at our website at drcraigjohnson.org. Whether you're new to this space or a regular pod listener, we're glad you're here. We believe that this message will bring you hope, encouragement, and guidance. God bless you. Good morning, church. Can we greet our streaming family? Put your hands together. Warners, we love you. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Welcome in Jesus' name. Well, I hope you're ready to get a deliverance today because we're going to be praying all throughout this particular message. Those of you looking in, I've instructed the saints to take their liberty and to move around the room and intercede and pray because we're, we're going to talk about Macedonian clashes, part one. We're in a series called The Macedonian Moment. This is a moment, beloved, where God is bringing his power to bear against the works of the enemy in our lives. In Acts chapter 16, we've been following the Apostle Paul and Luke, his assistant, and Timothy, his young acolyte, and Silas, his new ministry partner, as Paul begins his second missionary journey in Acts chapter 16. And we found that uh, after a series of closed doors, how many of you know God leads us through negative guidance for a while before he opens a positive door? So he closed four strategic doors against Paul and his team. They wandered 300 miles, didn't know where to go, didn't know what to do. Yet after this season, this extended season of closed doors, they wind up at Troy, ancient Troas. They wind up 60 miles away from the epicenter of God moving in the West. God is about to do something he's never done before. The gospel is moving from its eastern birthplace to Rome itself. It's moving from Asia over to Europe. And Paul didn't see this coming, but he's been prepared his entire life, and they finally see a vision come over to Macedonia and help us. But did you know God's guidance? You have to stay fresh every moment following him because they they see a vision of a Macedonian man saying, come over and help us. But when they get on the boat and they come over to the other side, the Macedonian man turns into be an Asian woman. They're looking for a man, (laughs) and yet God leads them. Now, they finally wind up in Philippi, which is a Roman colony. It's a little Rome, little book of Philippians, right? This This was a town that did not even have 10 Jewish men that would constitute a synagogue. And so Paul's custom was to go into any town where the diaspora Jews were, those that had been cast out, and, and, and he would find the synagogue, and he would begin there, and he would preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he was the Messiah, the fulfillment of the messianic hope to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But there was no synagogue in Philippi, so the Jews used to meet for prayer down by running water, because they needed running water, clean water, in order to wash their hands and be a part of ceremonial cleansing. And so Paul goes down to a waterway outside of the city of Philippi, and he runs into a group of praying women. Just like today, the men are nowhere to be found. All the women are leading the prayer meeting, and all the women said, oi, oi, oh me, or oh my, amen. Now, did you notice He's looking for a Macedonian man, and he finds an Asian woman. Her name is Lydia from the city of Thyatira. Now, she was from Asia Minor, 
But God had her moved from Asia Minor. Remember, that's where God didn't allow him to preach. You can't go into Mysia. You can't go into Bithynia. You can't. All the no's he got was over where Lydia had grown up, but she moved over to Europe. So the first convert in Europe, when Paul obeys the vision, the clear Macedonian call, come over to Macedonia and help us, they get in the boat, they go 60 miles over, and they wind up in Philippi, and they go down by the water, and Paul finds praying women. And Lydia, the first convert to Europe, winds up being his first anointed millionaire donor. Now, I want you to see something. Paul obeys the clear guidance after a season of closed doors, and he runs in to his first God-appointed convert, which is a woman from Asia. From, she's, she's a millionaire. She, she manufactures purple dye items that the emperor himself wears. Did you know when Paul is married to this? First, and she says, look, if the Lord's, if, if you believe the Lord's in my life, I want you to come live in my home. He invites the whole ministry team, she does, into her home, Lydia, God bless her. First convert in Europe is not a Macedonian man, it's an Asian woman. God will throw you off sometimes. You have to stay fresh. Because if you get a, a, even a vision riveted in your head and you're not sensitive to the spirit, you can miss him, right? Because he's always moving in the moment, right? So Lydia is the first convert in Europe, but I want you to see something. When Paul is matched to his donor, and I believe I'm talking to some people who are going to run into their donors for the first time in their life by the hand of God. And you know what? It's, it's one thing to have money. It's another thing to have an anointed Holy Ghost donor, someone that believes in you, someone that is sent by God. It's not dirty money. It's not money you need to like pray over or be suspicious of. It is a soul converted to God's ministry and they love your ministry. Scripture says God opened Lydia's heart to Paul's message. So here he's down by the water preaching. He meets his wealthy donor, but I want you to see what happens next. There is a power encounter. There is a clash of kingdoms that occurs. Soon as Paul gets to where God is sending him, where he's going to be the most fruitful, he runs into a demonic backlash. Here he's in Lydia's home thinking, wow, you know, we got, we got uh, strike two here. We got two home runs. I'm in Macedonia. I'm in Philippi. I got my wealthy donor who's going to support my ministry in all of Europe. This is pretty big stuff. But right then, the enemy counterattacks, and he brings a little girl who's a slave girl, and she has what's called the spirit of Python. As soon as Paul is joined to his donor and everything looks like it's great and he's in the new area of ministry, there is a Macedonian clash. And did you know we live in a battle zone, whether you realize it or not, beloved? Uh, you may be asleep, but you are in the middle of a spiritual battle. And we are living in a time, beloved, where God is going to allow kingdoms to clash in such a way that the glory of God is manifest in the midst of our generation. And it's going to be unlike anything you've ever seen, but I want you to see the characteristics. In Acts 16, it says that there came a little girl and she was possessed by a spirit of divination, one translation says, but it actually says a python spirit. She had the spirit of python. You say, well, I, I ran into that this month. Well, you might have, but I want to talk a little bit about it. It's the word divination is translated python. 
And the most famous ancient oracle, the prophetic center in the ancient world, was that of Delphi in Greece. It was known as the Oracle at Delphi. According to legend, the Greek god Apollo had slain a large female serpent, a python, at that site. And the serpent of the python had remained. And according to legend, it now possessed the prophets and prophetesses who functioned there, took possession of their organs of speech, and so it would compel them to give prophetic utterances. And this was a famous place. This was the oracular center of the ancient world. If you wanted to get a word from the gods, you went to Delphi. And the ruins are there to this day. You can go and visit. The Pythion was the name of the snake that guarded the Delphic Oracle. And all throughout the imperial period, the Roman emperors, it was a, a phrase used to speak of ventriloquists through whom the god was supposed to speak. So you would have this young woman at the Oracle of Delphi who would sit on a tripod and she would be possessed of the python spirit and would begin to speak in, in code that had to be interpreted. So you would come and bring your offering and bring your gift, and hopefully it was a lot of money, and then you wanted to beautify the oracle at Delphi, and then she would get this Pythian spirit that would possess her and begin to speak about your situation. And in most cases, priests had to support her by interpreting what she said because it was like a ventriloquist. It was like a weird little voice. And, and yet the information that would come true, come through her was accurate enough to deceive. Beloved, let me tell you something. This young girl is owned. She is a slave. She's owned by some big money people. And they're making a fortune on her gift of prophetic insight. And she comes up and she starts following Paul and Silas and Luke and starts saying in a loud voice, screaming, these are prophets of the Most High God who show unto us the way of salvation. And it said she did this many days. And, and Paul starts getting really upset by this. He didn't grab it right away. And did you know you don't just attack demons right away unless you're prayed up and fasted up. Don't just go running in like I did. I'm a teenager. I used to say by the time my, my hand hits that doorknob, the devil's going to be gone right now. I was always saying stuff like, you know, devil, come out of her and shine my shoes on the way to hell. Oh, Lord Jesus. Ignorant. Ignorance on stilts. Anyway, anywho, I'm 63. I outlived them all, but <laughs> I brought a lot of trouble on myself. Somebody say, don't bring trouble on me. That's right. Don't, don't, don't invite it, okay? You don't need to hit the, the beehive and be attacked. All right. I avoid beehives at this age. Amen. I can swat a bee but I'm not going to go and cite the hive. All right, so this young woman has a gift of, uh, she, can, she has limited insight. Let me tell you, do demons know the future? Here's the question. Does Satan know the future? Satan is not all-knowing. Only God is all-knowing. Only God is omniscient. But Satan and his minions have access to spatial dimensions that we do not function in. Satan is a master magician, and he's a super scientist, but he can never do miracles. They're called lying signs and wonders, right? 
So he's a super scientist. You read the book of Job, it says fire came down from heaven and consumed Job's, Job's goods. Well, I mean, if you could control spatial dimensions and cause fire to appear like lasers coming out of the sky, we can do that nowadays, by the way. He's always been able to mess with spatial dimensions we don't understand. These beings are fallen, but they have an intellect we don't understand. They've been watching the human race for thousands and thousands of years. Human race is predictable. Gold gals and glory, gold guys and glory, money, sex, and power. There's three arrows in de the devil's quiver, and one of them always works, and a combination is a knockout punch. Yeah, you don't survive one or two stabs from that. Money, sex, and power. Well, I, I, I'm, not in that, I'm not in that kindergarten sexual area. Okay, fine. But you're proud looking down on everybody that's got a trouble with the guys and the girls, right? Now your pride has set you above everyone else. See, you'll get caught every time. Devil only has three arrows in his quiver, and they always work. So humble yourself, right? <laughs> well, the, you know, the Bible says, John put it this way, the, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world that God is divorcing us from is not out there. It's in here. Well, I don't go into the bar, and I'll never, I'm a Christian. I would never be seen in a pool hall. Okay, well, the world you're being separated from is not out there, honey. It's in here. Lust of the flesh, pride of life, <laughs> that's all in here, Right? Your, your, your lust is not in her outfit because you could lust through a suit of armor. You know, mm, look at that helmet she has. Mm, see, lust, you could lust <laughs> through a smock. You could lust through a Pentecostal woman's dress made by Omar the tent maker because lust is in here. It's in you. It's not about her, right? And I hear people talking all the time projecting their problem right? Like they see a young woman go by and they just say, well, I don't like her spirit. I don't like what. Well, see, you're projecting your sexual problem on her. She's innocent. She just happened to walk by and happened to be beautiful. I'm sorry. <laughs> but the world God's separating us from is the world's the flesh and the devil, the gold gals and glory, gold guys and glory. It's all in here. It's inside you. So you, if God leads, you can go into a pool hall. You can go into a bar. You can witness to people wherever they are because you're insulated by God's precious Holy Spirit. But you have to deal with the stuff he's dealing with in you. So here comes this young girl. She's owned as a slave. She's making tons of money because she has a prophetic gift. And yet the Bible says it isn't just divination. It's the spirit of Python. You say, well, Craig, what does this have to do with anything? Well, let's go through the characteristics. The python is a constrictor. It strangles its food. It doesn't bite them and cause poison to take their life. It moves in close and slow, and it waits passively. And it has heat sensors, and it waits, and it waits. And as soon as that prey gets close enough, Grab. He'll use his teeth to grab, but immediately it moves up close because the python spirit is after your air. It wants to take the breath out of every vital living thing. Did you know a python spirit 
if this is the only spirit named in the book of Acts by name for us to understand its nature, and if you take a look at this, listen to the following traits. It's a constrictor, and so it's going to try to take your breath away. And notice the python spirit loves to flatter. Uh, Now, we need to encourage and affirm one another, but flattery is another matter. Notice it's saying out loud, these are servants of the Most High God who shone to us the way of salvation. What she's saying is true in principle, but there's a flattery involved here. And did you know if we do not have a secure identity of our acceptance in Christ, we are vulnerable to flattery. I heard a great line years ago, men can resist sexual temptation, but they cannot resist flattery. That wasn't a tip to help you. Uh, (laughs) Any pythonesses who are looking in, you know, really, I've been trying the wrong approach. All right. It flatters. And when, 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 when people don't have enough encouragement in life and they're dry and they're empty, they can be open to the subtle flattery that you see manifested in a python spirit. Now, this little girl is flattering them. Secondly, pythons demand attention. The python spirit demands attention. Notice she followed Paul for many days, and she's using prophecy and the supernatural to put herself at the center. Beware of anybody that tries to use prognostication and prophecy to flatter you and put themselves in the center. The spirit of Python wants to constrict your breath. They want to take your breath because by taking the breath, they remove your voice, your prayer and praise. And notice it says, as they were on the way to prayer, the place of intimacy with God, that Python spirit came up. Pythons slowly take your life. They don't rush. They take their time, and they strangle. It's an idea of a slow death over time. Remember the woman with the issue of blood in Mark chapter 5? It says she had an issue. She had a slow dripping of blood, which made her unclean, but it also drip, 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 drip. Her life was being ebbed away by one drip at a time. It wasn't just all at once. It wasn't just cut the throat and be done with it, like the slasher movies. Satan is more into the python spirit because he knows it takes time. It takes time to slowly constrict. And notice what a constrictor does. It gets real close to you. And and as you inhale and exhale, it gains control slowly. You exhale, and then you inhale again, and it tightens up. So it moves in close. It constricts. It doesn't kill with one bite. And then it It's going after your air. It demands attention. It loves to be seen and heard. Notice this young woman kept putting herself at the center. And it always wants importance, and it wants to be in control. She is trying to take control over a simple task, which is this new ministry team in Macedonia going to prayer. And you notice you always see a python spirit at work around prayer around the prayer room. And see, what she said was accurate, and it was positive. These are servants of the Most High God. Now, the subtlety there of Most High God is you think 
to the ear of someone from Philippi or anyone from the Greek world, they weren't hearing like we do, the Most High God, Jehovah, the only true and living God. They heard it like, you know, one of our, like Zeus. So her, what she said was technically true. They were servants, douloi, by the way, the word doulos, remember? Remember, doulos meant a bond servant, someone who was sold into the service of the Lord. And there's such significance to that. So this demon spirit knew they were utterly devoted to Christ and was technically accurate in what she was saying, but she called them the most high God. She's, she's fudging the message up, trying to confuse the God of Paul with Zeus. To her hearers, they would see, oh, this is just one among many gods. It would just give them a little respect. Well, no, no, this is the most high God in the Jewish sense of interpretation. Notice there's deception coming in right away. She's screaming, these are servants of the most high God that show unto us the way of salvation. And she's saying this over and over and over. And people say, well, it's, uh, what she said is technically true. Beloved, don't be impressed. Don't go to the tarot reader. Don't get your palm read. Don't go to your astrological sign. Don't go where these people are necromancers and they're going to talk to your Aunt Lulu. Oh, I see your grandmother's coming through. That's not your grandma, honey. Grandma's uh, eternity is settled. Hebrews 9.27 said it is appointed unto a man once to die. After that, the judgment. Nobody's hanging around the death scene that forgot to go into eternity. You're being played. But notice the subtlety. Well, the information is accurate. Deuteronomy 13, Moses said, if there appear among you a dreamer of dreams and he gives you a prophecy and the word comes to pass, verses 1 through 6, Deuteronomy 13, but he says, let us follow other gods, they say you shall not be afraid of him. So someone can give you a word that comes to pass and that is accurate technically, but the whole thing has to be judged according to the God picture presented in the declaration. And this little girl is technically accurate, but she's got the wrong God. She's misleading all of her hearers, and Paul, is his spirit is agitated about this. You know when you're around the demonic, they're just something that doesn't fit. It's like, when I'm around demonic people, I'm in a demonic place, I start my skin starts crawling. I don't know about you. Well, I don't know if you'd even know. <laughs> I was in a New Age bookstore. I, I was buying a reference book once. and I had my secretary, Betty, Tommy's mother, stay in the car. I said, yeah, I'm not even going to allow you to go in there. Right? This place was so funky. You walked in and your it just pressed on your face. You know what I mean? And I'm in there, and I grabbed, I literally ran to the shelf, grabbed the reference book, went up front, handed it, and I'm just trying to pay and get out. And the young girl, very pretty girl with a shawl, sort of 70s kind of, you know, Woodstock, looked up at me and said, doesn't it feel groovy in here? Isn't this something? And I'm like going, mm -hmm. I mean, the Holy Spirit in me did not like the demons in her, but she had that glassy-eyed, you know, Charles Manson family kind of look. Isn't this wonderful? And I'm like, no, honey, it isn't. I think I gave her $100, and I just left, right? And I get out to the car and shake myself off, give myself a spiritual shower, and Betty says, laughing, did you really have to go in there? <laughs> it's that book that important for you to, like, lose your immortal soul? Anyway, so we're moving on. 
They love flattery. They demand attention. They love to be seen and heard. The python spirit wants to be important and in control, and there's usually always a monetary motive. They were making a ton of money on her gift. Now, do demons know the future? No, but they have intellectual gifts, and they have deduction that would make Sherlock Holmes, even Robert Downey Jr., be amazed at what they can deduce about fallen human nature, potential free choices, and whatever little power they have to make certain things happen. Have you ever thought of that? They do have influence on spatial dimensions. They can prophesy certain things that they know they can make happen. And then that looks miraculous. But remember, the devil is a super scientist, master magician. He cannot do miracles. So it's even wrong to uh, equate the supernatural with the devil because he's not even doing anything supernatural. Only God can do miracles. Only God performs supernatural acts. All the others are lying signs and wonders. Remember the uh, magicians of Egypt, right? They did the first three. They were able to duplicate what Moses did until he struck the earth and the lice became living things and he brought life from death and the, the magicians backed off and said, this is the finger of God. Wow. Whoops. We can't counterfeit this. They can track you up a certain distance. But remember, it's not supernatural. It's not miraculous. You're being deceived by a super scientist and a master magician. And you know what? It, you don't want to listen to him anyway because he's a devil. He lies. Everything he does has a deception sewn in it. So this python spirit is this constrictor. And notice it's after your breath. It's after your voice. It's after your praise. It's after your ability to share the gospel. And it slowly wants to constrict you so that every time you breathe, a heaviness comes upon you, a despair, a depression, a hopelessness. And you know what we do? We process demons instead of rebuking them. You cannot out-reason a python spirit. You cannot counsel a python spirit out of somebody. You can't give a snappy apologetic argument that's going to slap them off from constricting your soul. You process feelings, but you rebuke demons. You never rebuke feelings and just process demons. That's called a category mistake. So you notice here, what's going on is a power encounter. Paul did not sit down and give a nine-hour Bible study or give her snappy proofs on the existence of God. He finally turned and said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, come out of her. And it says the spirit came out that very hour. It could have been a rough hour. Could have been a little wrestling going on. There's a power encounter, beloved. And it's a Macedonian clash. And beloved, we are living in a time where you are going to see Macedonian clashes. And you're going to see primarily this python spirit this constricting spirit. You know, as I was preparing this message, I just began to be aware that this has affected our church. The Python spirit has affected my life personally. There were whole seasons of my life where I was constricted and the very life of me was slowly being squeezed out and my very breath. And notice this will constrict your influence. This will keep you from being mobile. 
The python spirit can slow down. It brings lack into your life with regard to your finances, with regard to your marriage, with regard to your family. There's just a tight, slow choking off of breath. We live in a generation of children who are cutting themselves and are, are, are committed, bent on self-destruction. In whatever form it takes, whatever addictive form, it's slow. Notice that about addiction? You can kill yourself slowly over time. It can take 30 years before your, 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 your uh, bladder rots or, or your innards won't process alcohol anymore. That can take 35 years, but you're still on the path of death and you're dying while we speak. But it's a slow python spirit. And as I began to study this, I began to go, wait a minute. As a church, we need to stand up and name this thing and cast it out today. Start mingling and uh, praying in the room as I'm talking right now, if you would, saints. Dennis is just going to pray. He's going to touch you on the shoulder. He's going to pray. For those of you watching, I just right now want you to see that the Holy Spirit is here this morning, and he is going to bring death to that python spirit. His goal is to remove from you that which has been trying to constrict your steps. It's been limiting your ability to reach out. It's been uh, bringing lack to your finances, your, your, your love relationships. Your, 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 you've been unable to move, and it's this python spirit. And, and we're going to curse it in the name of Jesus Christ today. In any form, may take the form of depression, may take the form of, of, of misery, may take the form of a spirit of suicide, but I want you to see that python spirit brings a cellophane roof over your ministry and your life, and you just can't ever break out. There's just something that, that, that it's just smothering you. It's like a, some weird, funky uh, covering. That's that, that, when the pythons go to swallow their prey, they spit this weird, nasty stuff to bring it in and to swallow the prey and to digest the prey in one fell swoop. It, it, it dissolves the bones, it, the, the body, everything just decomposes inside of it. And we're going to curse that spirit today and command it to give up what is ours, to give back. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ against the python spirit right now, against those, my precious brethren that are listening to me. In the name of Jesus Christ, I constrict that thing off that's been constricting you. I command it to release your mind right now, release your bowels right now, release your heart right now, release your health right now, release your provision and finances right now, and not mask anymore as depression or, or labelable things when it's just a devil. We, we want to process feelings, but we want to rebuke devils in the name of Jesus. Someone say amen right now. We resist this. We resist this in the name of Jesus. Notice the python kills by following closely. Acts 16, 17 says that she followed closely after the ministry team for days and days. She's getting closer and closer because they want to get right up to the head of their victim, and they just want to just start planting their eggs. Those things can lay up to a hundred eggs at one time. The eggs are thoughts that they introduce into your mind. Just you're nothing. You're never going to make it. I don't care what prophecy you think you have. You big failure. You big, fat, ugly, stupid, dumb-looking thing. Those, those, those are eggs. Those are python eggs. And you know when they hatch, then you got a hundred of them. All right? And they they're all over the place. 
And if the mother's allowed to, to coil and, and, and heat those eggs, they're going to hatch. But in the name of Jesus Christ, I speak against every python egg that has been laid around you. Remember the movie Alien where the thing would lay eggs in the stomach? Oh, my God. First time I saw that, I just about ran out. Except Sigourney Weaver at the time kept me in the movie as a boy. Lord have mercy. Mm. And you know, you, you, once you realize they're laying eggs in the stomach, you go, well, that's not hopeless. I mean, it, it, it could turn around. <laughs> Hope springs eternal in Craig Johnson's mind. But there are python eggs that have been trying to hatch just more of the same stealing, killing, destroying. And you know what? A slow death is the devil's chosen death for us. If he could kill you right away, you would have been dead in the womb. Have you figured that out? If he had the power he says he has, you would not be walking. You would not be alive. Look what you've survived. He's, he's in for the long haul, though. Everything about us is rush, rush, now, now, move, move, chain smoking chihuahua. The devil is willing to coil up over time and kill your passion and kill your hope. Well, look at what you did in your life. Look at all you've missed. Look at how old you are. That's Python talking, <laughs> talking, laying some more eggs in your head. And they will hatch unless fire destroys them. I pray fire in Jesus' name, destroying every egg of the lies of the enemy in Jesus' name. Fire in Jesus' name. Get up and pray if you want, Gretchen. Touch the people of God with your gift. Python kills by constricting, not by crushing. If he can't steal your salvation, which he can't, he will go after the joy of your salvation. He will put that procrastination and the laziness and the, the slow death process that's almost unnoticeable. And the python spirit always attacks disguised as a prophet. Notice this little girl. She's saying enough that's technically true to seduce the listeners. But notice, Paul can sense there's, there's something wrong. <laughs> it's technically true, but the spirit behind it is wrong. You know, when you have the Holy Spirit in you, you know when something that's alien to the Holy Spirit is trying to get into your church. Now, the problem is in our charismatic churches, we let her on the prayer team. All right? It's accurate. It's encouraging. Bring her in. Wow. You know what? <laughs> The Bible says, beware of wizards that peep and mutter. Beware. Just because someone can tell you something's going to happen, and it happens, wait to see what the message is. Her message was actually watering down who the Most High God was, and it was drawing attention to her hearers that she knew that would only be a higher manifestation of Zeus, one God among many, so she was wrong about Every, Paul sensed this whole thing is wrong. This is a false spirit, an alien spirit, and I'm not going to let it coil around my team. This thing's pretty bold. It's going right up to Timothy, who's 20 years old, right up to Luke, who's going to write more words in the New Testament than any other writer, and Paul, who's just been given a continent, and he's got to go before the emperor, and this thing's trying to get up close. 
and trying to smother the whole thing, bring a cellophane ceiling that is unbreakable. Well, we rebuke this filthy pneuma puthon in the name of Jesus. The word pneuma is the Greek word for breath. It wants your breath because it wants to neutralize your praise. Notice it's waiting at the prayer meeting. It wants to get in and quench your intimacy with God. Intimacy so close that you can feel breath. John was so close to Jesus, he could feel the breath of the God-man on his face when he spoke to him. And so the enemy wants to coil around and choke your ability to breathe, to kill your intimacy with God in the holy place. That's where this thing is slithering around. Don't think you're going to find it at the whorehouse and you're going to have to go and find it in the drug den. This thing slithers right up to the holy of holies and tries to get in if it can. And you know how these snakes get in? There's a break in the wall. There's an opening somewhere and they slide in and they wait. These are very patient creatures. My son Grant is an expert on them and I called him up and he said, Daddy, they just sit and wait. They wait because with that tongue, they can smell the air and they can smell when prey gets close. And then they have a heat-seeking sensor that allows them to see the outline just like you would in a curly in photography kind of thing. That's what they see, and that's when they strike. But they don't bite to kill. They bite to draw in so that they wrap. It's pretty scary to watch. And these things get big. Grant told me there's some Burmese pythons that are like, uh, you know, 35 feet long. And they can just sit there and wait and eat a grown man. Take their time with it. But you see, we're not used to subtlety. We're used to demons being portrayed as jumping up and scaring you to death and this and that. They don't want to do that. The devil would rather have you not believe he exists than anything else. Because then he can move as he does deceptively. And he can weave himself right into the house of God. Lord Jesus, help us right now. Hallelujah. Can somebody say, I rebuke this spirit in Jesus' name? Can you just say, I don't want this in the name of Jesus? But don't be shocked that she was able to tell the truth. Remember in Luke 4, 33 to 35, and in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him and said, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, it came out, having done him no harm. These demons had a solid theology about who God the Son was, second person of the Trinity. They knew exactly who he was. The disciples didn't have a clue in hell who he was. I mean, they didn't up to the end, up to when he's ascending. In Acts chapter 1, they're asking stupid questions about the prophetic end times. Is it at this time that the Hal Lindsey map is going to be fulfilled and the ten-nation confederacy and all ten humps are going to come out? And Jesus just goes, oh, Oh, it's in the Greek. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're clueless. And he's leaving the whole world in their hands. May God praise, be praised for his Holy Ghost that came upon them and changed them into, into new people. But I'm encouraged by their stupidity. Absolute rank cluelessness. As he's ascending and you're seeing the nail-scarred feet go up at the Mount of Olives, they're completely wrong about everything. They're waiting for and expecting and, you know, but the Lord, but God, 
<laughs> we have to come in with a but God teaching. <laughs> the spirit of Python is the most subtle attack, in my opinion, in our lifetime, in the culture now, the social media culture. Yeah, things are more immediate socially. Kids can see pornography at the age of nine. They can see things we had to dig. We had to go to the mob to buy. It's just all available, right? One click away. One click away. And yet, it's the subtlety of the Python spirit. It wants the long road so that you don't notice that your breath is being constricted in your friendships. People you're hanging around are just, you're just starting to feel this malaise come over you, this depression come over you, this funk come over you. You can't, you just want to lay down all the time, right? <laughs> are you anything like me? <laughs> you just want to lay down, change Michael's diaper and then lay down. Go, oh my God, I just changed that diaper. I need to rest. And I looked over my ministry life, and I saw this devil coiling around my feet when I was very young. And I actually went to Nigeria the first time I went, Prophet Amos, the, the, the supreme prophet in Africa, called for me to be brought the next day to him. And he addressed this and never realized it. He said there was a python spirit that was wrapping itself around my legs and pulling me down the stairs and making me unable to move and advance. I couldn't advance. And I realized that's a python spirit. And I had prophetic words over my ministry life that always involved some statement like this, but I can put it in the python spirit language, and now I can understand it. Just a slow constriction where you just get used to everything being the same, and you just don't break out. Well, I'm not going to say that we're all going to dress up like we're 20 now and shout and run around in God's house, but we are going to resist this thing by name in the name of Jesus Christ. And I command that Python spirit off your family right now, off of your relational life right now in the name of Jesus, keeping you bound and restricted. I curse that spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. In the authority by which he has anointed me, I pray the fire of God to burn off of you the malaise and the funk and the depression and the despair and the suicide and the, and the addictive uh, lull and the, just the alcohol and the food and the just whatever is the comforting thing that just brings that sense of malaise. We rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Someone say amen. I don't want to think I'm alone here. Gretchen has an anointing. Demon spirits hate her. And that's what I love. One of the things I love about her. This Python spirit is coming down. And you know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and 5, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. How many of you know we need more than talent? We need more than gifts. We need more than abilities. We need all that wrapped up and enswathed by the true Holy Spirit of God. And there's just something about the anointing of the Holy Ghost that exposes these things and pulls them off. We need fire in the house. Oil, fresh oil fresh oil in the house. So I pray fire on you. I pray oil that God would ignite with his fire. 
and just burn this funk out because when when these when that python spirit is slain we need to chop it up and throw it in the bin we need to cut this thing down we need to cut its head off once that drops off you'll be amazed how everything else drops off how the pornography drops off how the alcohol drops off how how anything any any move where you just want to sleep all the time because it's the only comfort you have to escape in sleep that drops off everything slowly starts dropping off when you hit the root and not the fruit we want the root severed and that python spirit we're cutting its head off today in the name of Jesus. But I want you to see the clash. Now, the scripture says Paul didn't do it right away, but he was irritated. It uses the word for agitation, that just he was peeved because he knew this loud, these are servants of the most high God who show unto us, us, the way of salvation. Making herself the center, taking every, there was something about it, and Paul finally says, come out in the name of Jesus Christ. And it says immediately that evil spirit came out of her, and she can't, what's her familiar spirit? If you look at Deuteronomy 18, um, remember in 1 Samuel 28, the Saul, the king, the anointing leaves him. God is not with him anymore. And so he goes to a place called Endor and says, I, I want you to find me a witch, this is Saul. He's sunk so low, he's the one that gave a capital crime against witchcraft and said, penalty is death. If you, if you fraternize with a familiar spirit, what's a familiar spirit? It's a demon spirit that uh, has been following you around your whole life, and so it knows what drawer you keep your underwear in. It knows your secret conversations with your husband. It knows everything about you, okay? Now, that's not supernatural, if I was an invisible boy, I would know everything about going on in your house, too. If I went to your house, I'd see who's drinking secretly. I'd see who's watching what on the Internet. I'd know everything. And I could, as an invisible boy, go to someone and convey that information to them. We call them a, a tarot reader, a psychic guide, someone who's using tea leaves, any means. That is all a fake expression of supernatural power, but you don't flirt with it. You don't, you hang around a slippery creek bed. You're going to fall in every time. Uh, people want a word. They're so desperate. King Saul wanted a word. So he said, you know, find me one of those little witch girls with has got a familiar spirit because it's an invisible boy or girl that has been gathering information forever on somebody. So it could tell you everything they've done, everything that was their grandma said to them on their deathbed, everything. But you know how you package that? If you package that right, that's impressive. Whew. You know, I used to do magic when I was a kid, and I'd do sleight of hand to the children. I thought I was a god come down from Olympus. Because I can make that ring disappear, and you will never see. what. Even if I tell you what I'm doing, you won't see it. You can't catch me. You can't catch me. I'll still do it right in front of you. But that's just, that's just manipulation, right? These demon spirits have access to spatial dimensions you don't understand, so they can really deuce it up and make it look, woo, you know, isn't this something? Wow. They levitated off the ground. Oh, gosh, you're impressed with that? What crumbs we would sell our soul for? Crumbs. I'm an invisible boy, and I come up to this pulpit, and I lift it, and I go, worship St. Germain, light a purple candle, put a diamond on your heart chakra, 
and you bow down and worship Zeus. Because an invisible boy picked up a pulpit and you don't see what's going on and you on crumbs would commit yourself to whatever that claims to be, right? That's how desperate we are in this culture, right? And your atheist friends that can never tell you what would convince them because they don't know. Just whatever you would bring to them doesn't constitute evidence. You know, What if all the stars rearranged into your name and said, I'm God, I love you, Pete? They'll go, well, the mind is only a map-making machine, and so we just tend to project images on. No, that wouldn't convince me. So, you know, dies the death of a thousand qualifications. Whatever you bring up would not constitute evidence in their mind, right? That's called volitional ignorance, volitional doubt. Don't confuse me with the facts I've already made up my mind. Don't talk to those people. They have no interest in the truth, so just smile and wave at them, pray for them. But do you see how one invisible boy or girl could cause a lot of problems? Remember Kreskin? Remember Kreskin on the Johnny Carson show years ago? The amazing Kreskin. I have a friend that knows him. The amazing Kreskin. Kreskin would grab a, a lighter from, randomly from the audience and would put it on his head and it would go, uh, Mitch, who's Mitch? Mitch would go, it's me, Kreskin. That's my lighter. Whoa. Uh-huh. An invisible boy or girl told Kreskin, that's Mitch's lighter. Whoa, frame it in a mystical way. Look a little glassy-eyed as you receive the information. I hate to blow it for you, but that's how the trick is done. These are supernatural creatures, and they are non-spatial and not in a way we are. And they've got a lot. They can kill Sherlock on the logical deduction. So they can guess maybe 90% of the time what's going to happen or what you're going to do. You're predictable. Are you kidding? They got 100 out of 100 with you. They know exactly what you're going to do, exactly when God gives you a revelation, who you're going to call on the phone and blurt it out so you can inform all the demons what God is doing. <laughs> you just got to speak to him. He'll just blow the whole thing and give all the information to everybody. Sit back and take notes. Shorthand. Betty used to do that. I'd quote, I'd, I'd dictate a book, and she'd just be taking it down like that. So that's what these demons do. They just hang around prophetic circles. <laughs> well, I think God probably scrambles the signal a little bit, but let's pray for that to happen when we're going to have, like, momentous, constant barrages of speech because they can't read minds, and they don't know what God's doing. They're trying to deduce it, but it's easy hanging around us what we're going to do with any situation. Give him this, he will sin the second time he's tempted with it. Two. And then they bet on it. They're throwing dice in the background. They're always right. You know, with me, they're always right. Craig's predictable. Bless his heart. Brooke said, Daddy, you hear from God, you speak his words, and then you wander around like an underdressed envelope in the house. <laughs> Dad, Dad, Dad! That's what she says. <laughs> you were going to change Michael's diaper. He's laying naked on the floor. Finish the diaper changing before you go on to find that book in the garage that you need and disappear up in your room. Michael's naked on the floor. One thing at a time. <laughs> yeah, it makes me human and humble like the rest of you. All right. Here's the unaddressed envelope right there, a metaphor. All right. So Paul says, 
I didn't just preach to you and give you information and apologetics lectures. I gave you information and power came along with it. Oil was on the meal that I served you. And that's a secret for us moving forward. We're going to start seeing God put oil on the meal. Remember, too much meal and you throw up, too much oil and you blow up, a combination of both and you grow up. We need meal and oil to make bread. And we need God to pour extra oil on the meal we're serving up in the next little while. Amen. But first, he's going to choke off that which has been choking us. And notice Paul deals with it right at the prayer meeting, deals with it as he's trying to slither up to his new donor, Lydia, and those godly women that he is now a pastor of, and he's shepherding their souls. And that wicked thing tries to crawl right in. And you know what? The devil is bold if he's not anything. I knew an old preacher who was at a dinner, and, and he got up at the end, and he said, I'm going to do something the devil's never going to do. I'm going to leave. And he got up and just walked out. Because <laughs> he won't leave unless you make him leave. You can't hope he leaves, uh, suggest that he leaves. You have to cut the head off a of python and just throw it out. There's no romantic way, and they can get big. So don't think you're a match for it. I can handle a python. Not the Burmese one I saw when I was looking them up. Oh. (laughs) But God Almighty is going to surface them so that their heads can be cut off. So his fire can burn their constricting powers off of your life. Because right now, beloved, I think that's the ground level of the warfare that we need to see. Is that he needs to... We used to go... My parents now, if this doesn't produce psychological problems for my brother Randy and I. For vacations in Minnesota, they took us to Leech Lake. (laughs) Look it up. I'm four. And there's a there's a slide about out where the camera is right now. But between the beach and the water, between here in the slide, a four-year-old has to go into the water and down to his waist. And as soon as you stepped in, the leeches are on your leg. They're on both your legs. They're moving up your legs. Okay, I was not the least bit comforted at Leech Lake, even with my parents resting on the shore. Because as soon as I got in the water, I was covered with leeches. And then they would go, oh, calm down, come here, come here. And I'm like freaking out. And they took a little sand on the leeches, and the leeches dropped off when you put the sand on them. That still didn't make me feel any more comfortable about our vacation at Leech Lake. Jeez. What I paid therapists over the years for that. You know, you were four, Craig? Yeah. I think you're frozen developmentally there because of the leech. Yeah, I know. And the legs are red because they're already sucking your blood, right? Oh, they can't kill you. You know, that was comforting to Job. (laughs) Don't worry, they can't kill you. Well, okay, but never, just between us, never take a four-year-old to leech lake for their vacation. It messes with you. It still does now that I'm remembering it again. So the Lord Jesus can go into the Capernaum synagogue and the demon in there that's been in there all those years and has never manifested once, when Jesus walks in with the anointing upon him, that thing talks and tap dances 
We know who you are. You're God the Son, second person of the Holy Trinity, the Holy One of God. You're here to judge us. They know an awful lot theologically that nobody else knows. The rabbis certainly don't. And his disciples don't. So, But you know what? Why did Jesus shut it up? Because he doesn't need the testimony of demons. Nor do you. I'm telling you in ministry, you can be so exhausted and so depleted and so without encouragement and refreshment that you are open to flattery. Anything that is negative. And that opens you up to an awful lot. Why, I hope you're appreciated at home. You're such a handsome, anointed man. What? <laughs> I'm handsome and anointed? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Did you know you can be so starving emotionally that you will receive, you'll eat the hand, spit out the sticks, and maybe take a few sticks with it? Because <laughs> you're so hungry. Oh, that was just a little piece of straw. <laughs> but you're so hungry. <laughs> You would drink from sand out of a well. That's how thirsty you are. So Python wants to belly up to us in our need, in our desperation, because Python is secretly terrified deep down that we are going to realize what's going on and we are going to use what we have, the authority that has been given to us. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And you don't need to start screaming and yelling because that's really the flesh mostly. But you do need to start speaking intentionally. I rebuke Python. I cut its head off. And I want it, to, I want it dead, but I want it to uncoil. It may take a while to uncoil even after the head's gone. It's so wrapped around the depression. The, you know, we, we've gotten used to it and we've adapted to it that we don't even, when it's dead, we're, not even, we're still not out. You know, it just, it's, it's lightened up a bit, but it's not off. We need to help each other unravel and uncoil this just for the next few weeks. Amen. As we pray before the service, because I'm going to do a few weeks on this because I've got so many directions I can go in the Macedonian clash. Because that's what's happening now in our culture. And if you don't name it properly, you don't know what's going on. God is surfacing the Python spirit and he's cutting its head off. And all of a sudden you're going to start seeing people wake up you know, it's like the movies where they've been drugged or they had a helmet on their head and all of a sudden the helmet's gone and they're awake and now they can't be manipulated and they can't be controlled because there's nothing more dreary than that depression and that cellophane funk that makes it impossible for you to even think of getting out. And now it says, look at how old you are. Just, just oh, for God's sake, just give up. You're not going to break out of anything. You're not in your 20s. I don't know what it is about you, but I keep running into people that are in their 20s, and I keep remembering when I was in my 20s, and I thought I was going to be. I still think I'm in my 20s till I go by the mirror. <laughs> then I wonder who that old man is. It's like, who hijacked my 20s? See, the enemy wants your youth. He wants to coil around you in your youth so that you will be despairing when you're older. But did you know in the Bible, all of God's older saints were the mature, wise ones that bore the full weight of his glory. So take heart, Moses. Take heart, Miriam. Take heart. You have not missed your moment. Amen. Oh, Father, we give you praise right now. Can we just pray where we are right now? Just those of you at home right now where you are. 
Can we just have a little circle of prayer? We don't have the table of the Lord today, but we do have our our time just to gather uh, by the uh, where you're watching right now. Just we just gather together here in the house. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we lift up before you just any any python spirits that uh, one of them or many of them or however many. Uh, we ask, Lord, we're not going to see look for demons in the grapefruit. We're not going to look for crazy that isn't there. But we do bring to your light, God, this slithering, slow-killing thing that wants our breath. And Lord, you said in your word that our praise is the breath that issue forth in praise. Slay the wicked. And we praise you, Lord, now, and we pray that our praise, God, will slay and remove and uncoil every unclean thing. And this is the root, Lord. Lay an axe to the root, and the fruit will take care of itself. All the symptoms will drop over time, God. But we pray for a relief and a release in the name of Jesus Christ right now. And Lord, and any deception or uh, mixture or, that has been brought into our mind or our hearts due to the eggs that these pythons have laid. We pray you kill the eggs, Lord, that you kill the thoughts that have been that we've gotten used to, that, that you would just, just, just nuke them right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Just nuke these eggs right now. Lord, deliver us from any distractions. The python spirit tries to influence us through distractions, emotional distractions that would get our mind off what God is doing like Saul was chasing donkeys. He was the next king, first king of Israel, but he was out chasing donkeys. He was distracted by donkeys when God was calling him to focus on the throne. And when he, when he was being offered the kingship, he was in the baggage. He was caught up in his baggage and he would not come out to be presented to the people. Lord, deliver us from pythonic distractions in the form of emotions and uh, people that shouldn't be in our lives. Lord, uh, fast them out, remove them out in the name of Jesus Christ right now through prayer and praise. Lord, remove the ceiling on our lives, that cellophane uh, ceiling that just we can't get out of the sack. We can't get out of that funky space that we're in. And, and Lord, we forgive everybody that's ever sinned against us. It's ever victimized us. Lord, we choose to forgive them in your blood and we drop them off too. Lord, bless everybody. Lord, just God bless everybody. We don't have to have revenge. We don't need to see them fall. We don't need to rejoice over the falling of an enemy. We just receive your oil and fire right now, Jesus, to cleanse us. And we give you praise. Amen. Can you say amen? Give, give the Lord a hand right now. Give him some praise. Give him some praise. That python spirit is exposed in the name of Jesus Christ. And always going to back off quick. Fire backs them off quick. It'll show you what's awake and it'll back it off real quick. And, and I just feel the Lord had you here today and has you watching or listening today. Because this has to uncoil off you for you to go to the next door. The Macedonian door that God is opening for you right now has to be minus the baggage of this funky python spirit. But boy, will you feel refreshed. You'll be shocked because what we did is hit the root. And when you hit the root, the fruit is a foregone conclusion. It just drops dead. Hallelujah. We give you praise, Lord, right now for your freedom. We give you praise for the Spirit of the Lord that brings liberty. Hallelujah. We give you praise, Father. Thank you. 
Brian, could you come and pray over the people? Just pray, God, whatever's on your heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for your presence here today. We thank you for this fresh word, Lord. Lord, we just pray that this word will take root in our heart and and bear much fruit, Lord. Help us, Lord, not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. Help us, Lord, to be filled with your spirit, Lord. And we know that if, if you be for us, that that who can be against us, Lord? And I know in your word it says in, in, in Daniel and in, in the book of Job that you hold our next breath in the palm of your hand. So Satan, you, you cannot constrict and, and kill us and wipe us out. You can try it all you want. And you can tr- come at us daily, Lord. But we know we can have a shield of faith against all the fiery darts of the enemy. So we just thank you and praise you, Lord, for the good work that you're doing in our life, that your hand is upon us for good. And we know, the Lord, that, that you are going to perfect that which concerneth us that all your promises to us will be fulfilled, Lord. We are confident that you have begun a good work in us, will complete it. And we just thank you and praise you for all you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. That's some fire right there. (laughs) Amen. Love you, brother. This is my brother from Melody Land Christian Center. We've known the Lord and one another for many years. This pulpit was Catherine Kuhlman's pulpit. This is from Melody Land Christian Center. This is the pulpit. Old Roberts preached from this pulpit. Every pre T.L. Osborne preached from this pulpit. Every charismatic uh, general preached from this pulpit. Every conservative evangelical, Dr. Walter Martin, Dr. John Wark, Montgomery, everybody preached. This was the pulpit that was in Melliland School of Theology where all the great theologians met and had conferences and spoke. So this represents to me meal and oil, word and spirit, head and heart. And we need both to make bread. Amen. And he saved the best for last, Brian said. That's right. That's not flattery. That wine at Canaan was the best. Amen. He saved the best for last. We love you. If you have prayer requests, send them in. If we feed you, please take a moment and feed us, if you would. You know, one thing I want to say is if you give to our ministry, we're never going to chase you down. We don't follow you. We may send a hitman to the house, but a little, he's saved now. But he might just, you know, Jimmy Bag of Donuts. We're never going to track you. We're never going to beg you for money, okay? You don't get that here. We don't shake the sheep. But I'll tell you what, we feed a good meal, and if you're blessed, then you just put your little refundable, whatever that is, every monthly gift, your $20 a month, whatever it is, put it in, and it matters to us. It, it is measured, and it matters. And we would rather have $20 every month online than to give, you just give $100 bill or something. We'd rather be able to depend on it. Amen. So you can bless us in that way, and we will continue to bless you and feed you. But I just hope today that the Lord touched your heart tenderly, and I know that he struck the head off of this spirit. So you're going to feel a little lighter. When you go to sleep tonight, you're not going to have the same issues. You're going to get up tomorrow. You're going to just feel, what was that? What was that? Some of you are about to step through Macedonian doors, and you had to have this uncoiled, the lack on your life, your ministry, the lack of energy, the lack of everything. We just need this thing cut off. And now I do not want to see a picture of what's been wrapped around me all these years. Do not. If you saw it, don't tell me. It will scare me to death. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we're going to breathe hard and we're going to save and we're going to use our breath. You know what? One thing that 
that struck me, and I'll, I'll close with this. When Lucifer is described, it describes the pipes. It describes the, the, the strings, the stringed instruments, the pipes, and the percussion instruments. And people presume that he was the worship leader in heaven because all three categories, percussion, wind, and strings, are mentioned as being somehow incorporated in his being. Well, guess what? You got vocal cords, you got strings, hmm? and your breath goes over those strings. And just like a woodwind instrument, you got, you got prayer and praise, and you got a percussion. When you raise your voice in worship, you are defeating with your breath and you're clapping. You're, you're manifesting worship right where you're standing, just like is at the center of the throne of God. And that's what Lucifer had, and he let that go to his head, and he thought, I, hey, I, I'll, I'll be the focus of this. I'll be the end of this, not a means to an end. I'm not going to be no means to any God. And he sets his creaturely will above the will of God, and there's this clash, and one-third of the angels follow him out. Well, isn't it something that they are, they are destroyed by the praise of an infant, the Bible says? When the infant baby's breath goes over those vocal cords, and it goes, God said, it slays armies of demonic powers. And the baby's just got a little rattle and is going like that. God said, I, that's my percussion and that's the air that's touching the strings that's bringing worship. And God literally says the infants, the suckling infants is the worship power that slays all the powers of hell. So these little newborns, they're, all, they're, they're praise machines is what they are. And God counts all of their sounds as worship. And that's what he leads with to destroy these powers that we look at and we're terrified of them. You know, we're, we're looking at predator going, oh God, I don't want to piss that thing off. You know, <laughs> and God says, it's all right, the babies will wipe that thing out. See, there's something about us being able to praise. That's why he wants our breath. Preach the gospel. Share an encouraging word with everybody you meet today. When your feet hit the floor and you're at Vaughn's and wherever you go and you're at Starbucks, you are going to be light. You're exuding the glory. You're a window to eternity. Whether you say anything or not in that particular time, you're ready to encourage anybody. Just smile at them. Sometimes people need a smile and a nod. That's enough to fill their tanks right there. Or say, have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. You know, you can go and buy your groceries at Whole Foods, those of you that can afford to. And you can be the cheery person that whenever you go by, they feel some moment of encouragement, warmth. What This is spiritual warfare. You don't need to scream until you're hoarse. I did that for years in the deliverance movement of the 70s. Oh, we screamed till we couldn't talk anymore, and the demons just ate popcorn and enjoyed the show. Paul, I know, Jesus, I know, but who the heck is this young 16-year-old screaming at me? Oh, it's Craig Thompson. Is that right? All right. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift his countenance unto you and give you peace. God bless you. We love you. Have a wonderful week. 
We hope today's message has been a blessing to you. And if it has, please visit our website at drcraigjohnson.org. There you can find additional messages of encouragement. And if our ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider us in your ministry giving, as we depend solely on the financial assistance of our listeners like yourself. Also, please feel free to send any personal prayer requests. You can find us online at drcraigjohnson.org. God bless you.